Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. Once again, another great session of Fulfilling Work Life, this time with Julianne Budi uh, from Platzi. We talked about Platzi's expansion in Latin America, and we also talked about the world after COVID. Uh, it was very exciting, very cool. Uh, she gave us some amazing tips about leadership and how to think about expanding your businesses in Latin America. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this one too. Bye. And uh, we are live once again on Fulfilling Work Life, this time with Julianne Booty. And uh, Julianne, um, I'm going to make sure I get this right, but you are uh, part of the board for Latin America for Seed Stars, but you are also today helping with one of the largest uh, Latin American startups that we know of. Um, and just so you know, a lot of our attendees are from Latin America, so they exactly know uh, what Platzi is. I know what Platzi is. Uh, so everyone knows about this. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit what, what you are doing uh, uh, around Platzi this time? Sure. So I joined Platzi recently, which uh, I'm glad that almost everyone know uh, what, who is Platzi, what is Platzi, but uh, just to be all uh, aligned, Platzi is uh, the largest online effective education to train digital talent in Latin America. So we have this mission to bridge the skill gap that we have in Latin America in terms of technical and digital talent so that we can transform Latin America economy, which is more community-based economy, into a knowledge economy. So I joined Platzi, I guess, for this purpose and for the impact that is generating. And I'm involved in, uh, on one side, all what is startup related. So how can Platzi work together with startup to help them scale? Um, to the different experts and knowledge we have on the platform, to the different courses, but also how we can help them build a robust team that will allow them to scale. And hopefully by the students that we are training also provide them with a, a nice talent pool. So like there is a good cycle to do our own startup and that's why I joined and that's what we are trying to do uh, by now. Excellent, excellent. And you know, um, how, how long ago was this? When did you, when did you start working with them? So I joined them uh, earlier this year. So it was the new challenge of 2020. I wanted to jump into something new. And early January, I joined the team uh, officially. And of course, uh, the challenge because of COVID is, is much larger than it had seemed at the very beginning. And uh, I was telling you earlier, for those of you guys that, that came in late uh, or that you know, are joining the uh, broadcast over, you know, either either a podcast or IGTV or LinkedIn later. Uh, one of the, the questions that I had for Julianne is I didn't know she was so big on remote work. And it's been a, like many, 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 many years. So probably before anyone called it remote work, you were already doing remote work. So how, how, did, how did this happen all the way from, you know, when you started your professional career all the way to, you know, the new challenge in 2020 and we'll get to talk about 2020 and the challenges that you have faced now but how did you how did it happen for you to become a remoter in that sense yeah um i think it's so fun because you know the world now is in this challenge to be a remote uh worker or remote team and i have been into that for the past five years i guess so i was pretty lucky 
my challenge now is more to be stuck in one country while I was traveling every two, three weeks before. So that's, that's also uh, quite a new lifestyle to get used to for someone traveling a lot. I guess I'm kind of born a remote worker because, uh, or remote person because I've always liked to change my environment and to be with different type of people or different type of country. So somehow I had that in the DNA without knowing. Um, but concretely, it started when, um, when I studied in, uh, in Switzerland. I did a double degree between uh, Fribourg, my city, in Switzerland and Sao Paulo in Brazil. And then in Brazil, I decided to stay longer so that I could write my bachelor thesis. So that I was already a bit in between like um, studying in Switzerland and analyzing some data from my bachelor thesis in Brazil. And then I went to Brazil, but keeping the contact. So I had a first kind of remote experience. And then I joined SeedStars that you mentioned before. SeedStars is a Swiss company. Uh, which is an investment fund in startup in emerging markets. We have this vision that somehow by investing in startup, we could create an impact on people's lives uh, in emerging markets. And I got the chance to lead uh, the expansion uh, and the growth of seed stars in Latin America. And so imagine we were uh, seeking emerging markets. So we had people in Asia, in Africa, the um, management team was uh, mainly in Switzerland. Then we were also in Latin America. So we had to be all remote, working together for the same purpose and getting things done. So then at that time, I really became like a true remote worker, having to source and start up in the world region of Latin America. So traveling a lot uh, while connecting with the team all around the world. So I was basically living out of my backpack, my computer and uh, ticket airplane uh, that I had uh, back in 2016 when I when I started and, and this is this is super significant because um, and and Julian to give you a little bit of context uh, the people that listen to this and the people that watch uh, uh, the show uh, either in the live stream or later on most of them uh, want to know more about remote work they also want to find work that's fulfilling for them and you can't be doing one thing for too many years if you don't love it <laughs> like eventually you just crack up and and just go somewhere else and do something different um but it's very interesting to me because now it seems that everyone knows what remote work is what the the tips are and whatnot but for you it was not that like there was no book about it there was no, you just like did it because you had to um not because you had to but it made your work what it is uh what were some of the like initial things that made that possible for you like what made it not easy but what made it possible uh and not something that you'd had to say like actually i cannot do this remote work that thing that we're doing uh, of course you didn't call it remote work but what made it possible for you to work from latin america with the people that were in switzerland and other countries yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think it's also something we should all uh, always keep on top of our mind is that we all talk about remote work and how is it the future. But there is one key element that is uh, truly necessary to be able to do that is internet. Um, so we need a good internet connectivity, ideally a computer because it's not that comfortable to work from a smartphone. Uh, but basically, yes, what I needed to be able to work remote was my computer and good internet connectivity. 
during some some time of the day at least because sometimes you can work offline and then uh, you connect again but that are the two uh, key elements to be able to to do this and i think while a lucky part of the world have access to internet we should also recall that there is still uh, many people that uh, should be brought online more than a billion people around the world so that's a great question now and a great challenge how do we also connect those people and continue uh, to democratize education for the ones that don't necessarily have access to uh, connectivity and that's a really great point that you brought up. In fact, I was just writing that down because you had a great experience with Seed Stars. Uh, you you have experience with emerging markets, and now you're working with the largest educational uh, tech startup in in Latin America. And uh, I do understand that you know when we start talking about hey, we we need to educate people, we need to give them access to knowledge, and we need them to become a knowledge-based society. Um, there are some constraints. So in that mission that you have now um, and that you started encountering in 2020 uh, for your new challenge, um, what considerations are you having in terms of connectivity, in terms of like what you see? And you've traveled through many Latin American countries. So tell us about what you've seen in terms of connectivity. Tell us about like what you think needs to happen and what your perspective is on that. Yeah, so I'm not an expert in like uh, internet access and connectivity, but maybe from what I have seen, I think Latin America is a pretty um, advanced region. If I compare, for example, with Africa in terms of access to internet, so I never experienced that much troub trouble to get access to internet when I was traveling. I guess for one main reason is that as we were sourcing for startup. And connecting with ecosystem, those ecosystems are usually in big cities and the startups are nearby uh, business center and so on. So there are places where uh, access to internet is uh, ensured, while uh, as soon as you travel, for example, for the weekend uh, in remote area of Latin America, it starts to be more struggle. So there is this question uh, as well of uh, bringing connectivity to rural area. So how can we do that uh, uh, in terms of infrastructure? And that's where I guess public sector also needs to get involved, uh, investing in, in the right type of infrastructure, um, optic fiber and so on. Uh, eventually satellite companies as well. I remember we see stars one year, we, would, we work with Inmarsat, which is a satellite uh, provider from the UK in order to see how they could collaborate with entrepreneurs uh, to use better satellite technology and that's part as well of connectivity. And then as well, what are the new type of technology or business model we can use so that people that cannot necessarily afford paying a monthly um, fee for internet could somehow have access to internet. So like there is also nice things getting in. And I guess from Platzi's point of view, if we really want to be able to democratize the access to uh, quality education and to train uh, enough people so that we can switch from a commodity economy to a digital economy, that also means we need to find a way uh, to provide connectivity, right? So it's not necessarily Platzi that will be able to provide internet, but here is the question, how can we 
maybe have some uh, pressure or maybe some uh, inspiration toward government or telco so that they uh, help us in do this mission. And the second question is how can we build a product that people can also use if they don't have good access to internet? And this is what we are mainly doing with the tech team. So for example, we built an app uh, for Platzi, which also work offline. So that means you can download the course and you can watch the course even if you don't have access to internet, which is pretty cool because that means that a lot of students from the periphery of big city or rural area are unable to download the course when they are home and then they uh, uh, study when they are in the public transport and so on. So that's all those questions as well that you should ask yourself so that you can be a more inclusive uh, company, I would say. Yeah, and, and, and thank you so much for sharing that because it, it almost seems to me that uh, it, it seems, and I agree with this, I think, I think the internet is, is it's almost like water <laughs> in, in that it, it is essential uh, for productivity. It is essential to be able to, to do different things. And similar to how some people uh, have to travel hours to get like a gallon of water to be able to cook and, and, and eat, uh, at some point people are going to have to travel hours as well in rural areas to be able to access the internet and then get all this knowledge and then go to the rural areas and then consume it in there. And I can imagine a future where, where teachers are going to have to do something like that, like going to the main city to download stuff on a computer and then go to the rural area and being able to like project it to the students throughout an entire week to be able to, to stay like up to the standards of the world. So it's, I think, I think it, hopefully we, we have someone who, who has influence in government uh, listening to this, but I think it's, it's essential. You, and I think you said it right when you said, you know, it's inspiration. So how many people are talking about this? Uh, I, I don't think it's just a matter of like, oh, we're going to be making money out of this. And there is money in this. Um, but I think it's more important to be thinking about the access that we are giving people uh, uh, to, to knowledge and how we are making this or everything much more equal. Uh, and Julian, thank you so much for that insight. I want to ask you a little bit about 2020. And, and during 2020, uh, I, think, I think many people saw COVID uh, coming from December, but I think everyone thought it was going to be like SARS or like Ebola or like something else that is like, oh, it stayed there, it was contained, and then it was fine um, because that's what has happened historically. And then January, everything kind of like starts changing. And then February, everyone's like, okay, uh, this is completely different. This is a global pandemic. Um, in your specific case, um, you know, even though you have worked remote, and this is something that we talk to to people in in this show, um, what challenges have you personally faced uh, uh, because of COVID nineteen in in your role and your remote work uh, from Switzerland? Sure. Uh, well, the first things I think uh, has been a challenge for me, but also for everyone, even if they were remote worker or not, is that it's a challenge at the beginning to work remote, but it's a totally honored challenge, another challenge to work remote in the condition of the COVID. By that, I mean, um, COVID is also kind of fear, you know, you don't know what is coming. You don't know how intense will be this virus. You don't know if your family will get sick. So like, you will be worried anyway. So you have to lead with the normal pressure of your day-to-day -day of um, reaching your objective, of uh, reaching your ambition and so on. 
will this fear that comes in and you don't know if you are going to be fine, if your family is going to be fine, plus also the fact that you have some boundaries, right? So you can work remote from home. You cannot work remote from a coffee and maybe meet a colleague and then you go for lunch and you disconnect for a while. No, you have to be from home, which also means you will uh, get into a totally new emotional uh, um, uh, shape and you will have to deal with fear, with, uh, with uh, sometimes you are exhausted because uh, you can't meet other people. So it's a new social and physical uh, framework that you need to, to deal with. And that, uh, I think, is a, channel, a challenge for almost everyone in the world. Um, so that was also one for me. And I'm still trying to uh, learn uh, how I can be more resilient uh, into the, in this new context. Uh, and sometimes accept that maybe you have day with productivity, day with less productivity, uh, and so on. And the second challenge, biggest challenge for me, I will say, is that um, I'm used to work remote. I was used to work remote in a global company. And Platzi is, for now, a Latin American company. Uh, I'm pretty sure one day we will be global as well because of the ambition uh, that we have. Um, but when you have all your team in one continent, um, that means they are in the same time zone, you know. And so I'm still in Switzerland. I was supposed to be back with them last week. Uh, so now I'm still in Switzerland. We don't know yet when I will be able to travel again. Uh, my vision is that it's not going to be that early. So you need to find a way to work with your team um, that will be connected if I think in Swiss time from my 3 p.m. to my 3 a.m. So how do you maintain a pace that is good so that you remain productive on the long term, but you also are collaborative, meaning that you can be connected with them at the same time. And here I am in the experimenting phase of what is the good techniques for that. So, so far I still work uh, start to work in the morning because it's when I'm more productive, I have energy, and then I work till late night because my team is connected, but then I get tired and on the long term, you see it's not good. So you need to experiment, you know, so that you find the right uh, middle ground between being productive and being collaborating and feeling fine and well, you know. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, and, and I want to ask you something now uh, related to your work. And, and I know because um, it, it's super interesting to me when one talks about like market expansion, um, because you have to consider the cultural nuances. You have to consider so many things. And of course, in that regard, you are perfectly suited to work with any company that wants to expand in Latin America. Um, what are... Um, the, the, the biggest opportunities that you are seeing in Platzi's expansion in Latin America and perhaps some, some of the challenges that you are facing as well. It'd be great to, to get your insight on that. Yeah, um, I love market expansion as well. I think it's, it's so cool and it's so many experiments to do and new culture to meet. I think in Latin America, well, first of all, Platzi is a Colombian company, but we have students all over Latin America in Brazil as well, in the Caribbean. And we even have some students that are Hispanic, 
but in other part of the world we have like a, a very good student uh, very loyal to Platy in Indonesia so you know somehow we are already a global company because of the reach now that's a uh, we also know that if we are want to have a stronger penetration and which means a stronger impact on education uh, we need to uh, work on um, on further expanding and putting some team resources per countries and so on. Um, so I think uh, right now, for example, we um, are doing some project in Chile with some foundation so that we can uh, train SMEs, small entrepreneurs uh, through a wide range of courses that we have online. And that's a way to enter a new market through um, uh, a punctual project, I would say. We are working uh, in Brazil so that we can enter this new market, which is a bit different from the rest of Latin America because of the language, um, which means we have to develop new courses, a totally a different, uh, not different, but a translated platform. So that was in technical and in methodology for the courses, uh, a new challenge as well. So each expansion has its a different challenge. A lot of people, for example, say in Latin America that Brazil is totally different and that's a monster and almost impossible to get in. I, I disagree with that. Uh, so I think, of course, there are some differences starting by the languages, which was the main challenge for, for Platzi. But there are also some similarities in culture that are interesting to explore with compared to Colombian. So, you know, like the you have a lot of things to test and there is different way to enter markets. And I think what I like with Platzi is that we are uh, focused. So we know how to say no when we need, no, sorry, when we need to uh, prioritize the well-being of our current students. But we are also very opportunistic. So we don't mind to try to test the ground and see, okay, maybe here a partnership could work. Maybe here uh, we really need to enter with a full developed product. Um, so what is cool with expansion is that you need to start from the scratch again uh, with the MVP mindset, which is what I like pretty much. So that's where we are right now a bit with, uh, with Platzi, I guess, um, in like, okay, what kind of things can we try in order to better penetrate the different market where we have students? and what will work, what will uh, not work, and we will focus on what we work so that we can uh, reach the vision that I mentioned before. And that is awesome because I, I guess at this moment you are also in, in the markets that you're strongest, which I presume, of course, Colombia is one of those, Mexico yeah. probably. Yeah. You are also right. optimizing. So what, what tactics are you guys using to optimize for, for those markets? Um, do you have teams in every single country or are, is everyone mostly from Colombia? Um, so, so far we have team in Mexico and Colombia, and we also have a team in San Francisco. Uh, when I say team, I mean, we have people based in those countries. That was before COVID. Now, post COVID, we have some team members in Switzerland, in Canada. So, you know, that's, that's a new challenge, but that's also new opportunities. And the cool thing of working remote uh, is that you can uh, also extend your talent pool, uh, which is cool. And eventually that also helps for retention because you can provide a bit more flexibility um, in terms of the location for your team. Uh, but yes, we have 
we had an office in Colombia, we still have it, but people now work from home. Same in Mexico and same in San Francisco. Colombia and Mexico are the two markets where we have the strongest, and that's why we also have a team on the ground to be very near from the students' community and from the enterprises uh, with who we worked. Um, and then, uh, how do we optimize? Well, I guess it's a constant question. And as markets are dynamic, that means there is an answer today and there will be another answer tomorrow. So uh, flexibility and agility, I think first is the answer to that question. But we also have team that focus on uh, acquisition and a team that do uh, an astonish work as well on retention. So how do we retain our students? How do we retain the company with who we are working so that we can train the employees? Uh, that means constant uh, communication with our user and so on so that we can see how we can work on the long term together. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's very important for the company similar that they have like those type of team that focus on, on those challenges. So how do you optimize by having more students, but how you also keep those students so that you really have uh, a bigger reach. Excellent. And, and, and I have, I've heard of Korov and I've watched a few videos uh, from Freddie uh, uh, talking about, you know, how, how, some people make some money just by joining certain courses that they have on Platzi. What's, what are the most popular courses uh, on Platzi right now? Of course, I know that because of COVID, probably remote work uh, might be one of the courses that are very attractive. Yeah, so that's a good question. So, of course, remote work is, uh, since April, the course that uh, is the most successful for the moment. Um, which I guess is good because it shows that people have interest to uh, be a good remote worker. We also have more and more enterprise and corporation that are taking this course with uh, their team, which also show that companies want to do this well. Um, and I guess that we can learn together from that. Uh, otherwise, because technology has such an impact in the way uh, we live and in the, the way we do business, we have a lot of demand for the programmation course. So like all what is uh, basic programmation, JavaScript, Python, are the courses that are very much demanded. And related to that as well, and I guess also we also saw an increase into this, um, the demand for the following course is the course on security for uh, companies. And when I talk of security, I mean cybersecurity, digital security. So we know that by having more and more company working remote, that also means more vulnerability uh, in terms of digital security. So I think this is even more than remote work, the course that I will really recommend that we want to take, every company to take, because it's very important to uh, ensure the security of your worker, but also of your user, right? So you have a full database uh, with confidential data that are on your cloud. So how you protect that, how you, you ensure that during your webinar on Zoom, you have no hack, uh, so there are no hackers. So there is a lot of question around that and that go with the new trend of remote work. And that's also another course that is much uh, demanded. And then there is all those course related to the soft skills, you know. Um, so this is more and more important. Um, we see that technology is, uh, 
at the end of the day, a tool that we need to leverage, but then you need strong leader that understand technology and that understand how to lead this digital transformation, how to analyze the data given by machine learning, artificial intelligence to make decisions. You know, uh, for example, right now, how to lead uh, during uh, our time and uh, time that are changing. So there is also a full faculty around soft skills that we have and there is a lot of demand as well around this that's awesome thank you so much for for that insight you know what really surprised me it, and it always surprises me uh, it's it's all these courses on all these courses on programming uh for like javascript or python and all of that because sometimes i think it's like who decides to take those courses maybe when they are like 25 or 30 and it's like it's a life-changing like decision right like you all of a sudden i'm starting to learn like language but it's what freddie has usually mentioned on the videos which is this this these skills are demanded uh and and i think you are right when you pointed out to like the programming you pointed out to uh you know uh, cyber security and also soft skills and and i wanted to ask you you know from your personal and professional experience um you know you and i probably uh, are similar in that we're not technical, right? We don't, we're not programmers. So we don't know these things, but we have other skills. Uh, what are the skills that you think have allowed you to do the work that you do, especially working remotely? Because some people might think, oh, I need to be a programmer or I need to be a designer to be able to work remotely. But here we are working remotely. So what are some of the skills that you'd say have helped you do that? Yeah, um, I think... One uh, skill that is very important right now is the ability to focus, you know, and to manage your time. Uh, so no matter what type of work you have to do, you need to be disciplined and focus on what matters. So define the priority and then arrange your time according uh, to this. So I think this is something very important. I don't know if you agree with me, but probably you have this webinar now and then you need to jump yes. into another thing. So uh, should you do like webinar all the day? No, but maybe you will not reach other objective that you have. So that's all about this. And this, I think it's very important. So your personal own management, uh, which, in, which uh, include management of your time, management of your own motivation this is super important so i think you can be a good leader if you cannot even manage yourself um, and uh, and there are a wide uh, range of courses on that in in Platzi as well but at the end of the day and and Freddie always say that uh, yeah, as well and if you don't experience yourself what you are learning online you are not gonna uh, gather the knowledge uh, as much as if you really try to practice this. And that's, I think, is the cool thing that we have at Platzi is that uh, over 80% of our students say that what they learn with us, uh, they directly the day after put it into practice for work and so on. So we are very actionable. And that's, I think, what also makes part of, of the success of Platzi, at least what convinced me as well to join this. <laughs> And other skills that are important, well, I think I'm not a programmer, but you need to understand what programmers do. I'm not a designer, but you need to understand how designers work and what they do. So I guess it's important um, that you have a certain knowledge on what others are doing and how it works. 
Um, so for example, when I entered Platy, part of my onboarding was to do the course about basing programmation, you know? So like they ask us to know a minimum about coding and technique and technology if we want to be part of the team, which I think is great because today at the end of the day, technology will have strong impact on the way we work. And no matter if you are a good leader and so on, if you work in businesses, you need also to understand a little bit how it works. So I think that's, that's cool. Um, and I will also recommend that. Then I guess it's all about passion. What are you good at? What are you passionate about so that you can learn by yourself, you know, autodidact. I mean, you will not be at a university where you have social pressure uh, from the teachers and so on around you. So you need somehow to be passionate or to believe enough in your project and your ambition so that you have this discipline that comes and choose what you want to learn, you know. So maybe with us, it's all about technology because there is huge opportunity behind, but maybe you are passionate about groups and so on. And you should find a way to learn about this as well. So I think it's, it's also a bit about your personality. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I wrote two of those down, uh, passion. And this one is the most important to me. You, you cannot be a good leader if you cannot even manage yourself. And that is so deep. Uh, it's very, very deep. It's not only about your time. It's about everything. There are so many habits that we have as, as leaders that sometimes we have to, because being, being a leader is a huge responsibility. And, yeah. and even, even if you're just a leader in your group of friends, like you have to take responsibility. And I think everyone needs to be a leader in their lives. So I think managing yourself, that's, uh, that to me, it's, uh, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to write it. I have a list of um, rules for leadership. I'm going to write that one. <laughs> uh, which that is, <laughs> and and I, I will quote you. I promise. I promise. I will quote you. Well, every I guess time. I'm not the first one saying that. But <laughs> and you know what I think is that I think it's so hard for any leader uh, executive right now is that even if they know themselves, actually they knew themselves because we are entering such a new world they are also like uh, subject to a uh, new uh, way to live interact and so on so they have to manage their team while knowing how to manage themselves again and that's uh, a lot of pressure plus if they are leader and founder of a company they still need to find out what is the vision for the company in this new world so i have a lot of admiration for all those startup founders or CEO and so on that have to make decisions for them, for the team and the future of the company, because it's very intense right now, I guess. Yeah, and I think it will continue being intense for a while. Uh, so I, I, of course, know that many of you guys that are listening to this right now have some questions. So I'm going to get started with a few. Uh, and thank you, Walter, for saying hello to us today. Henry Velasquez has a question. I think I understand the first part of it. I don't understand the second part of it. Uh, sorry, I don't understand the first part. He said, talking about Platzi, does Julian meet uh, Freddy Vega? Uh, i Maybe you know what that means. But uh, and what is your opinion about Platzi growing in Colombia and Latin America? And this question is from Henry Velasquez. Okay. Um, so the, the first question was if I meet Freddy Vega and the second. Julian. Oh, Julian. Oh, he, he just wrote your name wrong. Okay. Yes. Ah. Do you meet with Freddy Vega? Yeah. Okay. 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 I get it. 
Yeah, I have the chance to talk with Freddy Vega and, uh, and Christian uh, van der Hens, that is the other founder on almost a daily basis. And we don't meet anymore physically, but uh, before, yes, we were meeting physically. They are, they are a very accessible person, I have to say. So that's great. Uh, really accessible founder. So I'm glad for it. And that's also why I joined, because I could work directly with them. And I know that I could learn so much from those two. So that's, that's cool. Uh, then about Platzi in Colombia and in Latin America, part of the decision why I joined Platzi is really um, because I strongly believe Platzi can have an impact uh, in the world region. And I even believe they can have a strong impact at a global level. So I know right now the challenge is to prove we can uh, democratize access to relevant education for professional and companies in the region, do a case, and then I hope to scale this uh, with the rest of the team uh, around the world. Um, so I think it's great that they focus on uh, better impact in Colombia and Mexico because we should provide that to our biggest community and strongest one while they still try um, to uh, open uh, the market uh, around uh, the region so that we can really impact the, the, the full Latin America and Hispanic market, I will say, and no Portuguese market as well with Brazil. So I'm, I'm convinced it's a good choice. I know it's harder maybe because we need to be all front, but I think the team is not afraid of challenge. So that's also another cool uh, fact. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we have a few other questions. Um, Loreto uh, Messina asks, uh, previous guests have mentioned Twist versus Slack, also allowing team members 24 hours to respond against being expected to respond uh, immediately. How does communication work for, for, for you guys? Is it, I think it's called asynchronous uh, communications. Uh, what, what is your take on that? Yes. Um... So I think asynchronized communication will really be the future of remote work. Um, and I think that's what we are trying to have at Platzi. Obviously, as everyone was used to work in a synchronized way and in the same office, it takes time to implement. So um, for me, sometimes it's, uh, it's all about this experimenting to accept to be asynchronized. So uh, the founders and leaders really are pushing for, for this, uh, but then uh, even accepting it and accepting to be the one in asynchronized is not always easy. Uh, so I guess, again, there is what you say and what you can really do. And I'm in the process to learn how to be more asynchronized with the team while keeping uh, the performance because on the long term, that's the only way it, it can be. Um, what we do, we use Slack uh, as the communication channel uh, or Telegram for things that are maybe more like team uh, boundaries and sharing pictures and so on. Um, Slack works very well. Honestly, we have everything on Slack. Uh, I'm impressed how they have been able to build a business based on Slack communication. Uh, you have almost, you have nothing in your mailbox from the team. Everything is on Slack. And I think it's great for transparency as well. Uh, but it's true that at the beginning, you need to get used to it. So it's a process as well. 
Uh, then about Slack, Twist and so on, I don't know Twist, I've never worked with it, but I think at the end of the day, you know, they are tools. So what you need to make sure is that you take a tool that the one that will have to ensure people use it is comfortable using and can coach other. And then you have to uh, have this discipline and make sure that everyone has the discipline to use the tool as the team needs so that the communication is fluid. So for me, it's more about people rather than the tool itself. Uh, and sometimes it's more about the budget as well because Slack is great, but maybe for early, early stage startup with no budget, then you need to find other way or you need to uh, be a good biz dev and negotiate with Slack or to maybe like uh, hack your own system and, and use other tool than this. Then what I think is really important today is to have like a fuente de conocimiento, like a, a, a knowledge place where all the key information of the company uh, is stocked. So you can use Google Doc for that. At Platzi, we use Notion, but I think this is super important so that everyone can find information almost at any time uh, to be more productive. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much. Uh... Uh, and thank you, Loretta, for that for that comment. Uh, Kesha has a comment. She says, thank you, Julian. COVID-19 has definitely restructured our daily life and tested our humanity. Hopefully, all of us can find a new normal life. Uh, I'll, I'll just ask a follow-up question there uh, for you, Julian. What is what is your take on, on it? Because I, I I think that, you know, the world it's, it's, will be different for a lot of people. Some people would actually be transformed. I personally... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a different human being uh, uh, from, you know, personal situations to like what is happening. Like I'm, I'm fully, I'm transformed and I think it's a process. I don't think it's, it's just like it happens in one second. Um, it's a process. Like how has it been for you? Do you think what is going to be the new normal for you and, and what things have changed for you in that regard? Yes, um, I'm also convinced there will not uh, be a world like we have before. Um, and I hope people will take the most out of this experience to also maybe install a new way of living that are more acceptable for, for example, for the environment. Um, we have seen uh, the climate uh, change was a war that we have been doing since 1992 with little result and progression. And in less than three months, uh, we are seeing incredible results in terms of reduction of pollution, uh, better climate condition, better uh, living condition for animals and so on. So I think there is something to ask ourselves around this, you know. Um, just to give a concrete example, from my side, I'm reviewing the way I will live. I've been a digital nomad for five years. I enjoy it so much and I miss it so much, but how can you be a digital nomad while, uh, no, while ensuring also traveling maybe less by plane for the environment, taking more responsibility into this? You know, I always been aware of that. So I was compensating. I'm a vegetarian, for example. I really try to have... Um, a way to live that is environment unfriendly, but still taking a plane is so, so bad for environment. So like, can you still travel? And I'm sure yes, but in more respectable way for environment. So that's something that I'm really trying to consider. And then um, I think as well, for example, about travel, because it was so, such part of my life, I think we will still travel, 
but less than before, like just for three days or for a conference, I jump on a plane and I go to Guatemala. And then next day I wake up in Mexico and then I go to Republica, Dominican, Dominican Republic to do an event and so on. So like, I think we, we will travel, but less uh, with less intensity. So that's one of my, my expectation or my assumption, let's say. Uh, and then for the rest, I think uh, remote work, it seems that there is a lot of knowledge around that, but I think it's just the beginning. So, you know, we were talking about communication, asynchronous communication, I think is going to be part of this. Then we had all this question of work offices. So what is going to be the offices of the future, you know? Uh, will uh, co-working space totally disappear or not? Uh, how it is going to be. So I think we are going to have a lot of new learning about that and about the way we work as well. You know, will people still work for one company at a time? Uh, I mean, still we have the freelancer that do it for a different one, but I think somehow you can in the future work for purpose and therefore maybe be involved uh, in one or two company plugging in for some project or experiment the company need to lead and then jumping back uh, out again. So I think there is a lot of things that will change um, and that we are not aware yet uh, around remote work that, uh, that uh, in the future of the workplace that will be uh, interesting. What is sure though is that uh, the world will be uh, very dynamic still uh, and maybe with waves, you know, sometimes we are confined, sometimes not anymore. So like it's going to be dynamic in terms of the progress, but also in terms of the wave and the way we live. So we need to be very flexible, very resilient. And, and that also means you need to constantly uh, be open to learn new things, uh, uh, get into new experience, change uh, some way in your um, way of living. And that's going to be very interesting. At least I see it like this for me. But I can understand it's very uncomfortable as well. <laughs> <laughs> and what better place to 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 learn that plats if you're in latin america right uh to get to learn new things and reinvent yourself julian where can we find you where can we find platzi where can we learn more and what would be the course that you would suggest we take now um so a lot of questions where can you find me uh so julian uh, beauty on linkedin or instagram and uh, that's a uh, way Julian Albaz Platzi.com. Uh, uh, it's my email. Uh, so that's the different uh, place you can find me. Um, <clears throat> then, in terms of uh, Platzi, it's uh, if you are from Latin America, Hispanic world, or anywhere in the world, www.platzi.com. And if you are from Brazil, www.platzi.com.beri. I hope next time I come, I have other uh, uh, website to share. Awesome. Um, we are also on LinkedIn, Instagram. So the company has different profiles of social media. Feel free to join, to follow us. Uh, we love to have a bigger community and people that also want to fight for this vision of transforming Latin, Latin America into a knowledge economy. So you're more than welcome. And, um, oh, sorry, my, and the last question was... Um, oh, sorry, could you put uh, the other one? The uh, microphone yeah. is on the For other the one. Uh, yeah. yes, sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, the course I recommend you to take right now, Platzi. <clears throat> okay, um, so 
I will say uh, the course about uh, security for company is the one I recommend. At least it's the one that really for me was like, oh my God, there are so many things we should take care of in terms of data protection, if then of our own protection, the user protection. And I love this course because you take a class and basically you go on your cell phone and you change some parameter. Then you take a class and you go uh, on your email and you change this on your computer. So it's very actionable, which I like, you know. So that's the one I will recommend. And otherwise, maybe take the opportunity to do the remote work course uh, today uh, with your team or with your company. Because uh, in May, there is, uh, because of the COVID and because we wanted also to, to, to support a little bit, it's for free. So <laughs> that's a hack that you can leverage, I will say. And I know it was only one, but then stay tuned by the end of, May because Freddie has done an incredible course about um, how people, leaders, and executives that are not with a tech background like you and me, Eddie, can lead and understand uh, how to uh, build and lead a company with uh, technology, you know? So like we know that any company now, if they want to survive, they need to implement technology in their DNA. And that's a bit what the course is about. And uh, that was all, that's also uh, one that I, I will recommend. So that way you have uh, the full months with some courses to take. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Julianne, for your time. I just want to thank uh, very quickly uh, all of uh, the guys that are always with us, uh, uh, you know, joining the, the show. Uh, you know, Loreto, Arson, uh, Henry, Juan Jose, Kesha, uh, Mev, uh, Robert Galan, Walter, thank you guys, and, and all of the ones that are joining us uh, for this uh, broadcast. You're invited to come to the future ones. Uh, you know, Nephi, Martin, uh, uh, Dariana, uh, Dariana, sorry, uh, Alvaro, thank you guys for, for being around. Um, and of course, remember, follow us on uh, We Are Torre on all of the social media. This episode is going to be also shared. Uh, it's already shared on YouTube. It's going to be shared also on Facebook. It's going to be shared on our podcast. It's going to be shared on IGTV. It's going to be shared on LinkedIn. So there will be tons of places where you can find this information. I already have like five different nuggets that I'm going to take out to put them as individual videos. So we'll, we'll, we'll put them around in different places. Julianne, I really, really hope that you can join us again in the future to see how everything is going in Latin America. Hopefully in a few months, you're already back in Latin America and we can have a conversation while you are uh, all the way in, in this part of the hemisphere or the world. Hopefully, and thank you for the invitation and also maybe very fast. I think it's great that this podcast is in English and I want to congratulate everyone that is taking part when English is not your uh, model language. It's not mine as well and I did a lot of mistakes speaking today and my accent is hard to understand. But uh, we know that English can really uh, improve uh, condition at work and like your uh opportunity your salary to be very concrete so i think it's great that we have those type of initiative that are also in english and where we encourage each other to listen more to podcasts to series in english so that we can also increase this level um, of uh, english uh, reading and speaking skills around the region so thank you for that because i know there is sometimes some detractors to this <laughs> No, this is perfect. Thank you so much, Julianne. Thank you, everyone. And see you guys uh, tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.